And Peter, can I just ask you a question? P Peter, what's five of minus course. one? What's five minus one? I think it's four. Four, three, two, one. We're live. Hello, everyone. My name is Max McGillivray, Editor-in-Chief of Beanstalk Global. We're live with our monthly series with the um, excellent, fantastic PMA in South Africa uh, with Leanne and her great team of experts that we're just going to do a round robin on uh, shortly. Can everyone say a collective hello to the world, please? One, two, three. Hi, hello. 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 Excellent. So, so just to give um, a bit of a focus on this, this if you've not been involved with uh, this broadcast with uh, with Beanstalk and Leanne and the PMA in South Africa uh, before, um, myself, Leanne and the team are really keen to promote South African uh, produce in two ways, both internally within uh, Southern Africa, but also externally um, to the likes of Europe, to the likes of America, to the likes of um, um, Asia and uh, um, Australasia. We just want to use this platform that Leanne and I have created in a unique manner to do a deep dive into uh, certain product subjects so that we can get a real understanding and find out the stories behind. And this, this month, we're doing the amazing story about, uh, about uh, kiwi fruits. So the South African kiwi fruit industry is small currently. It's about 200 hectares under cultivation. Their production dates back more than 400 years. The fruit is grown in, oh guys, can, can you help me here with the, with the regions? Even though I've been through South Africa, I'm, I'm going to murder the, mur murder the names. So should, we, should we, guys, where, where's it mostly grown? Malcolm, you go, as he um, takes a slow. Yep, thanks, Max. Uh, <laughs> we all the way up from the northeast of the country, all the way down into the Western Cape. So uh, you'll have Mahubas Cliff up right northeast, and then the White River region, and then you go down into the Natal Midlands, and then from down there, I'd say Barbum's Crawl, and then a little bit further down into the Cape. So anywhere really along the eastern uh, side of the Drakenberg. Fantastic. The local industry has operated in the shadows of major fruits for many years, but interest is growing again. And this is driven in part by changing global consumer preferences and the focus on a, on a healthy diet. Um, I remember when I was uh, uh, doing my trips through South Africa, I was learning how um, grapefruit was uh, was slightly falling out of favour within within South Africa, whilst the likes of citrus was uh, was picking up. And I, I met uh, um, uh, a lovely guy uh, yesterday, Lawrence uh, Froome, who uh, runs uh, uh, Berry World in the in the UK, and he was saying how he loves uh, grapefruit, but because of his uh, prostate problems, he can't eat grapefruit anymore. And so it was that actual market that liked grapefruit, that that mature um, age of people, but they can't eat it anymore. So it's almost as if uh, growers in South Africa have have to do, direct their growing to to a certain market. So we're just going to go around um, all of our experts um, initially, just to see who we've got. So no particular order. Can you just say who you are and who you're representing? Malcolm, let's start with, uh, with you as you were first off. Who are you and who are you representing, please? Thanks, Max. Um, yeah, so I'm a grower producer um, up in the White River region, so in the eastern Transvaal. So we, uh, yeah, we've got 12 hectares here. We're also uh, planting down in the Tel Midlands at the moment. Um, we've got a, a nursery, a commercial nursery, licensed nursery. Um, and then, yeah, we, we started the Kiwi Gold brand, which is a local market brand, uh, okay. roughly three years ago. And uh, yeah, that's, that pretty much covers it on my end. Thank you. Peter, who are you and who are you representing, please? I'm Max. Okay, so I'm Peter de Jong. I represent Freshworld. Um, been with the company now since 2017. Um, we basically, we're a, a fruit and fresh produce uh, exporting and marketing company. Uh, we've been in the business for about 20 years and um, yeah the, the products that we that we major on is basically citrus um, and now obviously for the last four years four or five years we've been uh, very much focused on the kiwi fruit as well 
So we've got about we've got about five uh, kiwi uh, exporting seasons under the belt from from South Africa. Well, and, and you're excited about the future of kiwi fruits. I'm very excited, I have to say. Lots of opportunities. Excellent. Louis, um, over to you, please. Who are you and who are you representing? Hi, Max. My name is Lo. Uh, I'm with BFAP, the Bureau for Food and Agricultural Policy. I'm an agriculture economist, and we do work in the fruit industry in South Africa and the rest of Africa. Excellent. And Lo, we're really looking forward to the presentation that you're, you're about to, about to, to, to give us. And, uh, but before I forget, if you've got questions um, of any of our experts, please put them in um, on, the, uh, on the Zoom platform or on Facebook or on um, uh, LinkedIn, and we'll, we'll pick them up and present them to, to our experts. Athol, who are you, please, and who are you representing? Yeah, thanks, Max. Um, my name is Athol Carey. I re represent the Food Farm Group South Africa. Uh, we are a multinational company. Um, my main, main focus is in the KwaZulu-Natal region of South Africa. Uh, and our main focus is avocado, but we do pack um, the majority of the golden kiwi fruit in the KwaZulu-Natal region in one of our packing facilities. Uh, so the fit works very well for us between avocado and kiwis. It just lengthens our season. And are, are you, I'm slightly lead, leading the, the witness here, Athol, are, are you like Peter, are you excited about the future of South African kiwi fruit? No, absolutely, Max. And I think as, as more and more growers look for alternatives to uh, products such as sugarcane and timber, uh, kiwi fruit is, is, is definitely uh, high on the, on the radar. Um, so, so yes, very excited about the growth in the industry. Excellent. Flippy, who are you and who are you representing, please? Hi, Max. I'm Flippy Fulian, and I'm uh, representing a company called Top Fruit. Uh, Top Fruit manages IP and trademarks in fresh produce uh, um, in South Africa. I, I run the, the kiwi fruit division for them. Excellent. Thank you. So just before we go to this uh, um, deep, deep dive with Lo, with um, um, his, his presentation, I've just got to tell you, I, I try and get my kids, I've got th three kids, an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, and I always try and get them engaged in fresh produce because there's a, a problem in the UK that uh, six out of 10 kids don't know where fresh produce comes from. And I, I want uh, all the kids I, I get um, aligned to that I, I see at my rugby club to know about fresh produce, and especially fresh produce from South Africa, as we all know, it's so, so beautiful. So I did the stupid thing of giving my kids uh, my credit card and uh, told them to go into our local supermarket so I so I could get some kiwi fruit so that I could use it as a bit, bit of a, a, a demo with, uh, with yourselves. So I give those three kids that uh, that credit card. They know that I need that kiwi fruit for the uh, for this presentation. Um, I come into the studio this morning, and what have they got me um, in the way of a kiwi fruit? I've got a cabbage, um, and they've <laughs> gone and filled themselves up with uh, with sweets. But so we, we just had to go out and get more proper proper ki kiwi fruit. But if anyone would like a cabbage, I'm more than happy to chuck it down the line at you, um, eight thousand uh, uh, miles, and see who can uh, who can pick it up. So net. So listen to us all there. Never tr trust a kid with your with your credit card. I'm going to have to see what my statement see, says to see what they've actually actually bought. So Lo, over to you. Everyone else, if you could just turn off your videos and, and your microphones. So as Lo gets um, set up, um, he's going to run through this presentation. I've got a series of um, questions that I'm going to present. And as I said um, earlier, if you've got any questions that you'd like to um, present in, put them on Zoom or send them to WhatsApp or send them on Facebook or uh, or LinkedIn. We, we, Leanne and I love it when there's a there's an interaction from from you all, so we can get the best out of our experts. Lo, over to you, sir. I'll turn off my video.
Great. Thanks, Max. Uh, I hope everyone can see my screen yep. and hear me clearly. Uh, it's great to be with you this afternoon. And uh, I'm quite excited, as the others already said, about Kiwis in South Africa. And I'm also looking forward to hear some of the experts that's in the industry. So for myself, I'm mainly looking into this industry from the outside, but I've also worked with a number of uh, some of the niche products, alternative crops in South Africa. And it's just a passion of mine to really talk about kiwis because I see the potential that it can have on our local economy, but then obviously de delivering quality product uh, throughout the world is really an opportunity for us. So I'll just quickly run a few slides uh, just to set the scene. And then obviously we'll continue with some of the discussions with the rest of the team. Uh, and basically just talk about why we say Kiwis have such a uh, great opportunity in South Africa. Now I'll start with just a, a quick global overview. Um, and the reason we think there's a large opportunity is because there's been strong growth in demand for this product. Obviously, like I'll explain the next slide, uh, mainly due to you know, this healthy eating trend. But if you just look at the, the graph on the right showing world imports of Kiwi fruits uh, for the world in, and in dollar terms in the blue, and then you see quite significant growth. I've uh, given you here in the slides also the five-year and 10-year growth rates every year. And you're looking at uh, the 10-year growth of around 7% in value terms uh, over 10 years, and then volume uh, uh, slightly lower, about 1.2%. But as you can see uh, in the graph there, the, the prices have also increased uh, you know, decently. And, 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 and we see that the, the volume has not as increased as much as the value, obviously indicating there's some price increases in the market. Now, one thing to note on that graph on the right is that uh, slight drop the last few years, or at least stable you know, uh, import volumes. And this is quite a surprise to me. I would have expected uh, in 2020, despite COVID and the bottlenecks uh, experience that this value would have been higher, similar to citrus. Uh, but what we definitely expect is this trend to continue upward into, into the next few years. But basically the world market currently about 3.5 billion US dollars in 2020, and that's about 1.5 billion, uh, million tons, excuse me, um, you know, imported. And, and some of that's obviously re-exports through Europe, uh, but currently price uh, CIF unit price of about $2.4 uh, per kg. But especially looking at the European market, there's even been more decent growth in imports uh, going into that market, about 10% uh, increase in value terms, uh, you know, almost 1% volume terms, and then a 9% increase in unit prices. So what's the demand drivers uh, currently happening? I just have a graph here on the right showing the uh, vitamin C content for different crops. Many of them are also alternative or niche crops. And you can see their kiwis very much at the top of the list in terms of the nutrient con uh, content for vitamin C per 100 gram serving. Um, and basically, uh, you can see that's much higher than, for instance, some of the citrus. And citrus had a phenomenal year last year. Seemingly, consumers um, think that uh, there's a lot of vitamin C in, in your citrus, which is correct. But I would have expected a little bit more, uh, you know, sort of demand growth for, for kiwis. But basically the, the main drivers looking sort of from economic perspective is obviously this health trend, but COVID-19 has really enhanced this uh, trend even further. People, uh, you know, all the more being sort of seeing uh, information on the benefits of healthy eating. But then there's also some drivers in, in terms of the retail markets, like many of the, the listeners would know, 
um, many of the berries and kiwis and, and others are uh, retailers are driving large promotions to, to get more consumption and per capita growth. And there's also now in the last two, three years, very big drive in terms of e-commerce and, and rapid food delivery, which we expect will also contribute to more consumption in the future. And of course, the convenient buying, especially now that we hopefully uh, will have more tourism happening in the next uh, few years as we recover from COVID-19. And then the other thing is that we also think that potentially will we'll shift or, or drive demand higher if there's a quite widespread policy um, you know, drive to, to cap unhealthy diets. Uh, we see things even here in South Africa with regards to sugar and, and alcohol taxes, you know, banning of some marketing options or, or at point of sale. And it's really to encourage healthy, healthy living. But more on a macro front, uh, obviously the drivers would be strong uh, per capita income growth um, in, Europe, in Europe and the US, especially now that there's a lot of money around. Um, and then obviously this continued trend of urbanization will mean that more people will buy uh, food from retailers. Um, and then, uh, like I said, the, the return uh, from COVID for, for many tour tourists. So just looking at the, the global picture of Kiwis, and, and I sourced this information from, from various sources that I could find. And although New Zealand's a very big player and, and people know about New Zealand for their Kiwis, China is actually by far the largest producer of Kiwis, but mainly producing for their own market and still a net importer. But I also tried to show you all the other uh, sort of big players, uh, obviously New Zealand, Italy, Iran is also a big producer. And then we've got Greece, Chile, and, and a few others. But the green dots here really shows you the difference in sort of yield uh, per ton or tons per hectare across the world on average. And uh, the, the line suggests the, the specific average for the world for all of these countries. And there you can see some of those that are really doing well in terms of a yield perspective. But New Zealand by far, you know, ahead in terms of over 40 tons per hectare yields on a consistent basis. Uh, really shows you that uh, others have catching up to do. And I'm sure we'll discuss this a little bit later as well. But basically for all of these countries, you can see decent growth supplying uh, into the market, which you have a, lot, a large demand. Right, so let's quickly just look at why we're saying South Africa has got a really opportunity to extend, uh, you know, and, and, and capture this opportunity to export, you know, kiwi fruits to the rest of the world. Now, we've mentioned that South Africa is still a small player with lots of potential, but when we look at the dynamics sort of on a global scale, we see New Zealand there is the, the main exporter of, of the product. About on average, the last three years, about three, uh, 630,000 tons, but uh, they're mainly targeting to a large extent the China and the Japan market. Uh, well, both of them, China 80% of the total volume and Japan 19%. But then obviously still a decent amount, 35% of volume still going into Europe, mainly through Belgium. Um, and so that's obviously in the counter seasons, uh, same uh, time frame as, as us being in the Southern Hemisphere. But then uh, obviously we're also seeing Chile there, also a very big producer, you know, exporting about 177,000 tons, uh, I think last year. And their markets are, are basically the US 13% and then the EU. Now, the question is, where does that leave South Africa? There, South Africa, still a net importer and only exporting about 550 tons annually. Now, compare that with New Zealand and Chile, that's why we're saying quite a small player. 
But what we are saying also is that there's significant scope for expansion, but also obviously uh, our, we're a little bit higher up in terms of the, the latitude and our sort of seasonal timing means that we can really get into the market a little bit ahead of New Zealand, but also uh, our route to market into Europe is much closer than our competitors. Right, so I think this is my second last slide. Um, let's talk about this uh, seasonality or timing into the market. Uh, the graph on the left just shows you the main exporters and throughout the year when the bulk of their product reach uh, the market, uh, the importing market. And as you can see, Italy um, and EU countries um, and also Greece coming into the market January, February, starting to taper off in March and April. And that's obviously where the Southern Hemisphere will then come into the market. And like you can see the blue there where New Zealand just comes into the market, let's say from April all the way through till September, and then uh, tapering off after that. And basically the opportunity that South Africa is having, which I'm showing there in the bottom right, is that we do have that window of coming into the market at the end of Feb and into March, which is definitely ahead of Chile, but also slightly ahead of, of New Zealand. And that's also at a time where we see quite decent prices in the importing markets. Uh, now this uh, trend of the prices here on the right is just a sort of an average trend. Of course, that will heavily be dependent on quality and, and what uh, market segment is targeted. But this time of the market or this part of the market really has still decent prices for South Africa uh, to target. And especially the other option for South Africa is here really to make sure that we extend the season so that we really can do sort of for longer periods of time import replacement in our own market, which is an additional opportunity. I'm going to end off with this uh, uh, this sort of uh, last slide. And just to show the journey we've been on as South Africa in terms of kiwi production. Now, the first plantings came in, in the 1960s when some budwood came in from New Zealand. And this was really on a trial basis um, and some experimental orchards were established across, across the country from the, the, the Fruit and Fruit Technology Institute in Stellenbosch. And then uh, during the 1980s, that's when sort of commercial planting started to come in. The first industry association back then was formed at KwaZulu Natal University. And then we see quite a, a lag up until recently, about 2012, where there's a couple of new varieties coming into the country and really this uh, renewed emphasis on the opportunities for kiwi fruits coming in. And I, I'd like to say also a lot of learnings taking place here for how to grow kiwis uh, competitively. And now obviously we're in 2019 where there's a new SA kiwi that's been established. And really, I think the industry is really at a point where we need to synergize and get together to, to really start to boost volumes and, and export more kiwis from South Africa. Now, obviously there's not a lot of information uh, and the ones I'm sharing with you is, is basically all there is to share, but around 300, 400 hectares. But like I said, the strategy should be to really drive yield improvement and quality and then expand our early exports and, and replace local imports. Uh, and looking at the prices over the last you know, few years, it's been quite stable. And, and I really believe that there's really opportunity for us to target European markets, but also extend the opportunities that surround in, 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 in the other parts of Africa. Max, that's my last slide. Thank you very much. Lou, well done. That's, that's one of the best presentations I've seen 
um, in, in the broadcast series that we've done because it was very concise and, and very to the point, but it's also prompted so many questions. Everyone, can you just turn on, on your videos? And I've just got a, a quick housekeeping point. I've just been told off by a contact on WhatsApp. Uh, Max, you've not let Leanne speak. Uh, what's that about? Um, I, and I should have uh, um, uh, indicated, apologise. Uh, Leanne has, uh, has got a sore throat, so we're saving her right to the bitter end. And so that's why we didn't allow her to have a word at the at, at the beginning. So apologies to, for, to Leanne for not mentioning that at, uh, at the get-go. No, just there's so many points there. Um, China, um, yes, we, we were aware of the likes of the, the mass amount of grape production, but I was not aware of the amount of um, kiwi fruit production that, they, that they're that they producing. And also this element about um, New Zealand producing the, the, the highest yields. Where, where you've put this case, this very intriguing case, is that um, if you in South Africa can grow and capture that that European market before the likes of um, the Chileans, you're going to be in a, in a very, very good spot. The, the, the South African kiwi fruit industry failed in the 80s and 90s. Uh, just, Lo, what, what, and we'll go around everyone. Lo, what, what's your, your view over and above your presentation as, as to why this resurgence is, is now happening or, or needs to happen? It, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it, is it feasible that it can happen? Lo, over to you. Well, Max, I'm, I'm generally optimistic. And I think the difference between what we're having now as opposed to the 1980s and, and 90s is that we've been building off the base of some other industries where we've actually had a lot of learnings and also in terms of the expertise and learning uh, to grow some of these uh, more technical crops uh, has been some of the differences. Now, for instance, I've also worked in berries and others. I mean, it takes time even for the Peruvians and Chileans to, to really get those yield, uh, yield curves increasing over time. So um, maybe I'll leave the question specifically yeah, well, of what's happened in the industry to, to the others, but I'd like to add just, I've been starting to research on, on Chinese production and you'll be scared to just uh, see the amount of productive land area that's been producing under netting. And, and obviously there's not a lot of information, but the, the production capacity in China is, is immense and obviously serving a, a mainly their own market. Uh, it's quite fascinating. And, and that Chinese market, just I, I just have to ask, do, do you think they are looking to just serve their own internal market and not uh, come, come out on an export basis? Well, the, well, the Chinese, I don't want to talk too much on, on this uh, you know, sort of export strategy. They're obviously also supplying throughout the year some strategic markets of their own, but mainly just because of the demand and just the volume of product that goes into that market, they're still sort of not self-sufficient themselves. And yep. also there's still decent prices in that market. And that's why everyone is trying to get market access into the Chinese market. Excellent. Peter, this resurgence that's, uh, that's now happening, um, do, do you think there's some um, elements to learn from the past, from the 80s and 90s, when it, it in effect failed? You, you mentioned uh, earlier that you're very positive about the future. Um, but do, is it positive or are you going to be hitting uh, speed bumps along the way? Oh, for sure, Max. I think, um, you know, we, we remain very positive and excited, you know, regardless of what happened in the 80s. Um, the reason I'm feeling quite positive is we've had five seasons of commercial exports on, on Golden Kiwi specifically. Yeah. Um, of course, in the beginning, you know, it was a bit of a struggle. There was a lot of hesitancy from, from our customer base because we're an unknown source, you know, for, for uh, uh, Golden Kiwis especially. Um, but since then, um, it's really caught on to, to the rest of our client base and the markets and, and the customers are extremely excited. Um, about the fact, especially the window that we fall in. Um, and on that basis, I think there's, you know, it's, it's definitely a sustainable industry that we can build for, for the future. Um, of course, there's been a lot of um, growing pains the last, the last few years. 
Um, but every single year we learn new lessons, you know, we're getting smarter by, by the year. And, and, and that's why I'm feeling very excited. And also think, you know, the South African farmers, you know, we know how to farm um, fruit. You know, we've, we've done it for, for, for ages, you know. So I really think we've got um, a very good chance of, of doing a proper job. Yeah, but I always, Leanne um, will we'll snigger when I mention this, but I always bring this, this up because it, I just find the figure staggering that um, as a whole, in a normal conventional year, South Africa exports four and a half million tonnes of fresh produce and uh, serves an internal market of three and a half million tonnes of fresh produce. I look at our, our, our UK production <laughs> and it's not nothing in comparison. Um, Athel, with... What what are your views that we're hearing positive things from the likes of Low um, and, and the, with the, with the potential? If you look at something, say the likes of the blueberry market or the avocado sector, there's always concerns about uh, whether we're just going to overproduce on a global uh, basis. But then the the, the stat statisticians and the likes of Kantar always state that there's more of a market to be had there. With with kiwi fruit, I've picked up in the past that um, uh, the, the likes of um, some of our Australasian uh, uh, relatives find it quite difficult to actually sell kiwi fruit into the European market. Do, do you think, Athol, it is feasible that South African uh, kiwi, if, if, you, if you all collectively can increase your numbers, that you can sell it um, and sell it at a good price? Yeah, Max, I think there's, there's the critical question. I think we, if we look where the kiwi industries come from, and I'm not professing to be a major expert in the industry, as I mentioned earlier on, my focus is avocados. And if I try and align the two businesses, the avocado industry and the kiwi industry, and look on the two journeys, I think the problem with the early kiwi plantings is it was very fragmented. There weren't big enough volumes. The guys weren't really unified. However, more recently, there seems to be more unification with the industry. There's definitely an appetite. It's not just a sideline anymore. I think a lot of guys planted the green kiwi back in the day as a sideline. You know, they had strong, robust businesses timber farming, dairy farming, citrus farming, whatever the case may be. But as some of those businesses are starting to erode through to uh, you know, less of a demand for, say, uh, sugar, for example, growers are looking for alternatives. And I think really the formation of the South African Kiwi Growers Association is a big plus because, you know, in unity there's strength and the guys need to work together. They need to put a South African product out there. Um, and I think as, as the industry is maturing, uh, they're going to definitely make headway into to the European or whichever markets the guys are going to be targeting. But I think I think the real trick is to stand together, work together, share the knowledge, be mature enough to talk to each other. Um, and my apologies. And 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 take this take this um, very exciting and young industry forward, and 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 learn from more mature industries. Um, you know, and, and, and uh, the guys are generally willing to share knowledge. It's a South African product, and and South African farmers. If they work together, it can almost achieve it possible. Um, so I thought just. Athol, I just had a, um, a WhatsApp question in for you. Um, Athol sounds like he's a fantastic um, avocado grower. Why doesn't he stick to growing avocados? Won't he just find kiwi fruit a distraction? If that's okay to ask you, Athol, that direct question. <laughs> Max, it's a, it's a good fit. For, for us in uh, KwaZulu-Natal, we, we traditionally have uh, started harvesting avocados um, from, from July through to December. Um, and the South African, South African kiwi industry, particularly in the KwaZulu-Natal in industry uh, region, should I say, uh, 
starts harvesting in February, February, March. So, so it's a perfect fit. It's, it's for us to, to be involved with, with the golden kiwi, kiwi business. It gives our, our packing facility another two to three months. So instead of packing for seven months of the year, we can now pack for 10 months of the year. So it just makes economical sense for us. Yeah, well, well done. Um, and uh, just another bit of a, a segue, that uh, same uh, individual, he wants to know what the make of tractor is on your top shelf. If you could tell us later on in the broadcast, that'd be that'd be fa fa fantastic. You don't, all these spotters that we got out there, Flippy, um, over, over to you. It, so we had this um, sector try to get going in the 80s and 90s. Are you as positive as everyone else that you're all on the route to success with kiwifruit in South Africa? Um, Max, certainly we. I, I'm as positive. Yes, I think if you if you look at what happened in the 80s, and I think Ethel referred to it now. I think the economical world was probably not there, and the management therefore lacked. Um, I, I think then what what happened then that there weren't good enough yields for the guys to really farm economically. Um, I think if you look at the areas where they planted, I think wind was a big problem. Probably late frost was a problem. Um, and therefore sort of uh, um, interest waned and, and there are still a few spots. Now, on our return in 2012, I think we're working with, um, with the yellow kiwi fruit, which is a different species, number one. Uh, number two, we are probably going to cover 98% of our orchards will be covered, which will manage wind better, which will manage um, uh, 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 light frost and, 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 and some of the other challenges we will have, but I think the, the biggest change will be there's an economical will to make this work this time. Um, I think we need to find alternative products to our bigger industries. And yeah, I think I think if there's a, like they say, if there's a will, there's a way. Although I think we need to, there's definitely a market opportunity. I, I just think we need to, we need to step and forward carefully um yeah so 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 we are learning as we go forward and and things must just improve yeah there's, there's a, a, a saying I, i'm sure you've all heard of it profit through sanity not volume through vanity um uh, and my i used to be in the grain trade in the uk years ago and uh, my grain trader director told me that what why should people just grow a commodity product uh, just for the volume of it and make little margin whilst actually if you dedicate yourself to um, a product that might be hard to grow but there's better margin but you can concentrate on it you're going to going to be in a in a better better place uh, malcolm over, over to to yourself with um with what we've we've heard um well, one question um, I was keen to ask, ask you actually, Malcolm, was um, uh, with the presentation that Lowe gave us, that is startling the yield difference um, of, uh, of New Zealand in comparison to, to the other players. Do, do you think South Africa could reach similar yields um, ability, such, such as the, the Kiwis? Uh, Max, I think we, we've got a bit of a right to go to get there. <laughs> and, um, considering you've only been in production for, just, uh, you know, only... only four or five years, if that, um, you know, we sort of had a bit of a false start with rootstock. So there's, there's still quite a long way to go as, as we're developing. So yeah, it would be great if we could get to that point. Um, but, uh, you know, Flippy sort of alluded to it. We, you know, we've got to check carefully. We've got to be seen as a credible producer to global markets. Um, and I think once we can do that, then as the volumes increase, we, we're going to find homes. So that's that's sort of my thought process on it. But okay. uh, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And and, and, and variety-wise, um, are, are you growing similar varieties to, to the likes of the, 
the, the, the kiwis? Have you got your own standalone varieties in South Africa? Yeah, so the New Zealanders um, grow a variety uh, called G3, well, that's their goal. Yeah. Um, where South Africa, we've got various different camps. So there's actually quite a few varieties uh, that are available. And what we're sort of seeing with that, just certain varieties are better suited to, to um, various areas. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not limited to, to one particular variety. Yeah, thank you. We did a recent broadcast um, on a UK perspective with our um, NFU. So think of your FSA Fruit South Africa, National Farmers Union, um, and uh, a British growers group. And just prior to the pandemic, they, <laughs> I can't, can't believe it actually happened, but they, they had a delegation organised by the UK government, went out to New Zealand to see New Zealand um, horticulture, uh, both in North Ireland and, and South Ireland, um, to, to get an understanding, because th there's, there's a view that the the climate is semi-similar in some respects to, to the UK. And uh, after we joined the European Union, whatever it was, 30 years ago, we, we basically kicked out New Zealand, who nearly went bankrupt, but they they um, reinvigorated themselves. And now look at us in the UK with our, our Brexit scenario and what we've created. We're now going back to New Zealand to find out how to grow. But the, the, the reason for, for bringing that up was that the delegation found that the, the, the growers in, in New Zealand were just beyond a par as to their the growing techniques. But I would also say that South Africa is, is, is very similar. So just, it, is there a crossover? It, it, can, can you get more information from the likes of um, uh, New Zealand on, on how to grow to get those sort, sort of yields? Lou, what, what do you think? Do you think that's, a, that's possible? Yeah, I mean, it depends obviously a lot on climate and, and the management. I'm thinking of just the economic frame of mind. I mean, there's a lot of technical knowledge, which I think we're starting to really get from these different companies that's bringing in expertise, which is great uh, that we also see in the blueberry industry. But I mean, it's really difficult to go from 15, 20 tons per hectare to 40 tons per yeah. hectare. It takes time to get the, the knowledge and, and really get the management right. But I think there's a lot, large opportunity for, for expansion and, and, and learning. And, uh, but, but still, we don't need to get to 40 tons per hectare overnight. I mean, I study many other uh, let's say fruit industries, and if you just look at the average returns, you know, let's say on a 20 ton per hectare basis, then you're still doing very well, especially if you can bring it into your cropping mix uh, to, to get a sort of a diversification going and obviously mitigate risk. Yeah. Um, Flippy, uh, over to you, because I was just to post the same, same thing to you. What's the, what's the magic dust to get the yield level up, up uh, in, in South Africa? And, and feel free to, to follow on with your commentary. Okay. I think, I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. I think we want to do the early, we, we're targeting that early market, the February market. And if you really want to target the February market, you're moving into the warmer climates of South Africa. If you move into the warmer climates, you're probably gonna you're gonna uh, um, give yield. You, you're gonna not be as as good as yield. Whereas you move to the cooler areas of South Africa, you you're probably gonna be slightly later in 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 harvesting, but then your yields will pick up again. So it's a it's a bit of a you need to find that 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 cross. Um, um, but but what we've experienced in the in the in the last few years is that that early window is really a, 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 a economical financial a good market to be wow. in. So yeah. probably you can get away with a twenty and a twenty five ton and, and still have a good net farm income on on, on prices earned. Um, whereas if you go into the later window of our window, 
um, and you get higher yield, the prices may drop slightly. We don't know yet, but that's, that seems to be the way. So it will be driven by, by climate and then obviously by some varieties. Thank you. Peter, what, what's your views? What are the critical areas for, for growers to focus on so that they can maximise, especially that window of, of opportunity that, uh, that uh, Lo alluded to and Felipe's just, uh, just engaged with? From, from my side, Max, um, I think, first of all, trying to farm in the, in the areas that slightly earlier, you know, we really want to try and hit that, that February, March window in the markets, you know, so if that for me is, is quite an important one. Um, you know, even, even saying that, you know, I think there's still opportunity for us to even get our fruit in the market earlier, you know, um, it's going to be difficult by sea, but we can do it via air freight. Because um, I do believe there's also opportunity in January, you know, if we look at the situation currently in, uh, in Italy. Yeah. Um, and then also some of the other areas, I think we need to focus on varieties that yield us um, high bricks. Um, you know, once, once uh, the leading brands in the world, uh, for instance, the New Zealanders get their fruit in the market, you know, they do arrive with quite, quite high bricks fruit. Um, and then, of course, we need to apply farming practices to, to ensure we achieve quite large fruit size. Yeah. Um, that's been a challenge for us as an industry. We've, we've been producing um, a big percentage of quite small fruit, which is quite difficult to market. Um, and of course, you know, in kiwis, uh, size matters, you know, so the bigger the fruit, the, the bigger, the, the higher the price and the better the income. Yeah. It, it, and, and, and help me here, it's a bit of a naive, naive question, but with the, the, the new trade association that you set up, if you, if you look at the likes of the citrus growers and the amount of money that they're dedicating to, to R&D, research and development, can the same be presented? Can the same research and development be presented for kiwi fruit in, in South Africa? Lo? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult question. I mean, I was formerly at the Western Cape Department of Agriculture, and um, there's this whole debate of where research and development should be funded and where should it be hosted. So I don't, wouldn't want to go into that. I mean, essentially, in South Africa, we, you know, left alone to fund our own activities. Yeah. Um, and that's the challenge with, obviously, if we can also get this sort of growth going, then those activities and, and additional funding would also be able to assist R&D. It's critical to drive yield improvement, and it takes about a 10-year lag for that to get into place. So the reality is, even though we're not there yet, we should start to introduce and, and do a lot of these experiments and R&D research to, to really drive yield improvement in the future. Yeah, and, and is there a likelihood, likelihood that, that you could... Uh... Uh, get, get, get assistance from um, uh, an international seed house that might have that um, in, information from other uh, country territories and bring that um, intellectual um, um, information, that growing know-how in, into, into the South African market, Lo, would, would that be a possi possibility or have, or have you got to work solo within, within the South African ent entity? Yeah, I think probably Flippy would be a better best to answer this, but basically it depends on obviously, you know, the, the IP and the situation for those yeah. wanting to invest here. If there's enough scope for, let's say, nursery to expand production, that will make sense to them over the longer term. Uh, but there's a number of factors driving whether that takes place, but there's already some movement uh, of these new uh, varieties coming in. And then I also uh, suspect that that will continue in the future. Yeah. Go, I, go, go, go. My um, unfortunately, the simple answer to your question is no. There is really no government support. Um, so, so, so we will have to drive R&D from the industry itself. Being a young industry, it's difficult to generate money to, for R&D, which in the end will just uh, will, will, will lead that the process will be slow at the start um, because we have to generate the money to do the R&D and then the results will, will flow into the market. 
Um, on your on your on your second question is can we can we copy and paste um, from from the likes of New Zealand or Italy or wherever? Um, from from New Zealand, not really. I think uh, Bay of Plenty. If you've been there, it's uh, kiwi fruit heaven. Um, you go there and you visit and you come back and say, I think I must give up. I must rather move to Bay of Plenty and farm kiwis there. Uh, it's just it's just the, the best area. If you go to Italy. Uh, maybe some, it's something different if you go from the south up Latina and you go further north Emilia Romano. There are there are certainly areas uh, that are more from a climatic perspective alike to South Africa. So certainly we can we I think we can learn from the Italians um, uh, uh, what they do. Um, challenge really is um, if you look at the yields. I mean New Zealand is basically double what, what Italy is. Um, yeah. And is that yeah. because of climate? Is that because of cultural practices? Uh, we don't know. But 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 yeah, we, we, we have to learn from others if we want to if we want to grow this industry faster. Thank you. And, and talking about talking about learning from others, I believe Malcolm that you're a bit of a variety expert. Um, what, what what's your view? Have, has, has that market intelligence, has, that, has uh, the, the variety element, has, has that got to come from South Africa, or, or could there be a collaboration with the with, with the seed house? Or I'll, I'll give you a bit of a left field one. There's, there's so many ag funds um, uh, globally that are looking to get into um, uh, agriculture and also fre fresh produce. Could there be a fund that comes in and funds South African ki kiwi fruit to to give it that that acceleration? Malcolm, what do you think? Uh, Max, I, I don't know the answer to that question, um, but it would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, carry on, Philip. Sorry, the varieties are all proprietary varieties, so they are owned by owners. So, so yeah. the problem is then if you bring in some money, who gets what? Um, who, who gets the largest piece of the cake to do the to do the uh, uh, the research? Um, yeah. So, so basically, uh, variety owners need to step up if they if they if they want to if they want to some R and D done too. Um, yeah, so it's a it's a difficult one. It's 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 getting fund funding for R and D is really really a challenge. Well, let me just ask the open question: If there was a, a sum of money that was presented to the South African kiwi fruit sector to accelerate the growth and, and development, presumably that would be beneficial to the sector in South Africa. Flippy. Okay, but but I suppose the norm is it would come from a trade association that you would uh, be paying quotas or, or or levies on on that basis. I, I don't know if it's ever if if it's ever happened before that you have an external player comes in and, and invests and uh, um, yeah. for every carton you then sell they, they then take take an override. I, I don't know if that's that's ever been done yeah. or, or or something. Leanne, I'm going to talk with my 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 gruff voice here. <laughs> But <laughs> as you know, a lot of my, my background is in, in kiwi fruit as well. But, you know, I think globally there are a lot of very good varietals available. <clears throat> and the focus, I believe, for the South African growers is to back some of those varieties that are already in the market because the kiwi fruit consumption globally is very much brand and varietal driven. And that's where the prices come. And it's led by the, the global market leader, which is Esprit. So... I would say that it's to back varieties that are already in play and are proved to be performing and that R&D money needs to be spent on finding the right areas, the right production practices um, to grow those kiwi fruit, um, you know, optimally in South Africa. Just my two cents. Excellent. In a gruff, broken voice there. Uh, well done. Um, Athel, the, the actual market for South African kiwis, 
Um, is it uh, is it just preordained that you're all looking to go um, export? I, I gave this figure about four and a half million tons exported, and you've got this internal market of three and a half million tons. Rather than having to work really hard for that that narrow window of opportunity, isn't it actually a better route to market of your domestic market or, or a combination of both? Arthur, what do you think? Look, I think primarily, Max, it's going to be an export orientated market, um, and and obviously. Um, the local market or the domestic market as uh, as it grows as the crop grows and the volumes grows there is going to be a certain percentage ending up on our local market so it hasn't it hasn't really had much exposure in in rsa the golden kiwi it's still a, a relatively new product um, and as 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 our consumers are exposed to it and our bigger retailers take it on board obviously there is going to be growth on the local market but i definitely think in the South African context, you want to be playing with forex. You want you want to be exporting as much of that crop as possible. So if the guys can get those 80, 90% export packouts, we're going to see a relatively small percentage ending up on the South African market. I think that's ultimately what's going to happen, especially that if the guys are playing in that window or on the shoulders of the other countries where there is a gap for us to put that 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 product into a market when when we're having a, a fantastic return it, it makes a lot of sense to focus more on the export excellent thank you and and your new trade association who's who's uh, who'd be happy to talk about it so we could find out a little bit more detail about that please out, out of all of you any takers because if, if you look at so we uh, Leanne and I streamed uh, last month on um, on dragon fruit and their new trade association uh, that they, they've created and uh, that's looking to do a lot, especially on a, on a marketing perspective. So does there need to be a marketing drive as well to educate the uh, the potential customers of the likes of um, UK and Europe that South African kiwi is, is coming in um, and that there should be a, a full engagement um, with it as, as per your other tra trade associations? I'm just going to pick up someone. Peter, what do you think, please? Oh, definitely. Thanks, Max. I think um, we, we would definitely need a drive, a unified drive, you know, to put the marketing out there and do a, a big thing about South African Kiwis. Um, the fact that some of the previous guys also mentioned, you know, we, we've got different camps of varieties and variety owners, um, and we need to find a, a unified way as, as Kiwi South Africa to, to get the name out there, you know, and I think that's, that's um, a good thing that we've, we've created the Kiwi Growers Association. It's only been instated, I think, for a year and a half or two years now, so still very young. But um, certainly, you know, we'll certainly gain momentum and, and you know, take hands and try and, and have a bit more of a unified approach going forward just to get the name out there um, in, into the market. Thank you. Because if, if you look at, go, go Philippe. Right, I think, I think the, the focus of the Kiwi Association currently really is um, not so much market access. That I think the opportunities out there, I think what they, um, there are two, two goals, uh, sort of short term goals. The one is really to set a quality standard for the industry over overriding all the IP, IP and all the varieties. If we can go out there with a decent standard as an industry, I think that needs to be done. And secondly, um, and refer back to R&D money, um, government will only take us seriously if we approach government as a, as a unified as a unified industry. Um, so, so by setting up the National Kiwi Growers Association, I think we've got a vehicle to approach government and 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 see perhaps if there are are are, are money available for 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 things like r d in terms yeah. of market access i think the small volumes we're currently selling 
can be sold where we do have access. I think I, I think Europe can take a whole lot more for us for us to ship. So so really the focus will be to to, to set a, 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 a quality standard and to approach possible financiers as a, as a unified industry. Well, thank you. And, and Malcolm, do you think there's going to be cannibalization of some existing cropping for kiwi fruit? Because it, I know South, South Africa is a, a, a large country. There's only certain parts of it where you can grow uh, this, this high quality type of product. So as I mentioned earlier about uh, uh, grapefruits being grubbed up to, to grow more citrus. Um, Malcolm, do you think there's going to be a, a shift uh, of, uh, of production uh, away from other, other products to, to kiwi fruit? Malcolm, what do you think? Possibly, Max. I think we're probably um, probably sitting in a bit of a wait and see phase at the moment, um, and it kind of goes back to all the points that, that were raised earlier. Is we're, we're a very young industry, so you know there's not the funding available at this stage. Uh, growers are getting their hands dirty. We're trying to find ways to to bring in R and D ourselves, and and who can we lean on? And um, yeah, so you know, I think once we start seeing that traction, I think things will move uh, a little bit quicker than they have. Um, and, and I think we're going to see some uh, some uh, growers out there changing and, and having a little look and on the side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if we do get traction, then, then that certainly will take place. Yeah. So uh, everyone, it, it sounds like there's there's great positivity about kiwi fruit in in South Africa, as per uh, Lowe's great presentation, especially that 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 window of opportunity before the Chilean market uh, comes in. I'm, I'm going to give each of you my my magic wand, and you're you're going to use that to um, sweep aside any blockages or or speed bumps to create success three years, five years, ten years out. For South African uh, kiwi fruit. So, with with your with my magic wand, I'm going to give you. Uh, what are you going to do with it, Lo? Come on, what, what what do you want to see? What what do you want to see happen in uh, South African kiwi fruit over the next three five years, please? I think we need to be optimistic. I think we need to synergize, get together, and really uh, go for it. I think there's lots of opportunities. Yes, there might be pressure on prices and technical issues and and the like. But for me, looking from the outside as an economist, I think it will be a great industry to grow. I think we can go like similar to like blueberries and pomegranates, some of the others really drive the industry. And, and there's nothing I think that should hold us back. Of course, there'll be risk, but we need to go for it. Excellent. Uh, Peter, what do you think, please? From my side, um, like we've mentioned before, very optimistic, Max, about the industry, very excited. Um, you know, what we offer to the, the customer base is, is quite innovative. You know, we enable them to have golden kiwi fruit on their shelves 52 weeks of the of the year, which is yeah. which is a great achievement. Um, for, for if I had a magic wand, you know, I would definitely say if we can push in the next three to five years to try and, and, and farm bigger size fruit, um, that would be great. And of course, also like Flippy mentioned earlier, if we can get to a point where we've got proper industry standards um, and we all aligned, you know, that will ensure we've got consistency and good quality product in the market, you know, that will obviously do our, our South African kiwi reputation very well. Peter, what, what a Flippy, it, 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 it's it's some would say listening to, to us that um that there isn't a system, there isn't a process already in place, but you look at the expertise that you've got in other fruit grain areas, and uh, presumably there's a lot of similarity that you can carry over from other sectors into into kiwi fruit. Um, what what would you do with this proverbial magic wand, Flippy, to uh, to to create the success three years, five years out, please? Sure. Um, I think there are technical experts, um, but it is a different commodity. Actinidia, Chinese, and Actinidia Deliciosa 
what we've seen reacts differently than apples or stone fruit or other commodities that we know. So, so unfortunately, there's no quick fix. Um, we sit, we stuck with the different climates, climate zones. Um, I think, I think if, if I have to address the market, and I think there's a, there's a few market people listening, um, please be patient with us. Um, we see the opportunity. We're on our way, but it's going to take a few years to get there. So, so, so I think we should we should not rush into this. I think there's a huge opportunity. Um, so, so yeah, bear with us. We 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 are on our way. We're trying to sort ourselves out, and we are. I think we're getting much better at it year on year. And and uh, yeah, and the second thing, probably if I if I talk to South African growers, um, I would tell them this is not a quick fix, and this is not an all for everybody. I think uh, certain guys will grow it successfully depending on where they are and, 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 and who they are. Um, so, so yeah, for, for us, it's, it's just another two, three, four years before, we, before we're going to take off, I believe. Excellent. Mal Malcolm? Yeah, uh, I think if we can get um, fast forward the orchards on a little bit um, and, and get some more uniformity and, and size, and as an industry, we can hit a quality standard uh, across varieties so that the, 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 the South African fruit is being received well. Um, and unfortunately, as you flippy and Peter's point, it doesn't happen straight away. So if we could, we could just fast forward to get to that point um, where we've got the size and we've got the volume and we're seen as a credible producer um, without with fewer speed bumps, um, that, would be, that would be first prize, magic one for me. Excellent. Athol? Max, uh, the magic one for me would be uh, in a few years' time uh, to have 50, 60 more growers in our region and obviously a lot more in the other regions. Critical mass, uh, a unified industry, an industry with a vision, and I'm, and I'm not saying that the guys haven't, but things like transformation has to be taken into account when we speak, speak to government, market access, and R&D. So, yeah. Um, just, just general growth in the industry um, and, and a unified industry. I, I think we mentioned it at the start of the broadcast and um, I just got a, a WhatsApp about it. One thing I've learned over these various broadcasts over the last 18 months is collaboration. The more we can collaborate, the more that we can uh, feed, feed the world and feed the world with amazing fresh produce and amazing fresh produce from South Africa. Uh, so contact in the UK has uh, just WhatsApped and said, how can, how can we in the UK collaborate with key South African growers uh, to accelerate the growth of um, uh, South African kiwi fruits um, to, to bring it into the UK, into Europe? Would you all be open to collaboration? Let's have a bit of a free fall. Anyone want to, to, to run with that, please? For sure. That's the short answer for sure. We're waiting for you. Give 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 him our, our numbers. <laughs> Excellent. So so the future looks bright for uh, kiwi fruit in, in South Africa. It's fast, fascinating, Leanne, how it's such a um, a relatively young industry in, in comparison to the likes of citrus and um, and avocados and palm fruit that we've covered um, with with yourself and your team previously. It's going to be such an exciting one to watch uh, kiwi fruit. So after this record, I'm, I'm going to put the, the the word out into into our network to see who we can get you aligned <laughs> to with it on an international basis as to um, how they can help you with your with with your marketing because that's obviously going to um, uh, assist that if you've got guaranteed markets with guaranteed pricing uh, that that's going to um, help get more interest in in country on this uh, on this on this area Leanne, I, I know we've been saving your voice for the last four days for this this closing <laughs> statement from, from yourself but what would you like to say please 
Yeah, I just, um, I, I think, you know, South Africa has a gift with the, the window that they have. It really is um, a unique positioning and that window needs to be filled. So um, all of our growers and our exporters really have a market that's just waiting for them. Um, and I think if I had that magic wand, um, you know, with my history of being in the kiwi fruit industry for a while as well, you know, I would love to, to see the industry collaborate very strongly and sort of, you know, if you look at how technology can just skip forward so many ways of doing things, if our industry can sort of find a way to skip forward, to unify, to create a standard around bricks and precious across all of the varieties. And I dare I say it, Max, create a South African brand for kiwi fruit. Yeah. I think that would be a very, very wow. strong um, positioning for South Africa. And we haven't said that on other fruit products, but for kiwi fruit, I think there could be an, an opportunity. That, that'd be fantastic. So a brand, we'd love to see a brand for South African kiwi fruit to really further accelerate it. So, so everyone, we're just about to run out of time. Um, I, I can see what Athol's done. Um, just, just to say, we really, really enjoyed this uh, this broadcast. We look forward to, to next month. And Leanne, we hope you feel uh, better uh, with, with a better threat next month. And uh, Leanne, if you can, can you just give a shout out to your team because they do so much behind the, the behind the scenes for the for, the, for yourself for the PMA in uh, Southern Africa. Absolutely. Thank you, Jane. I see Jane and Jennifer on and Nook is streaming through LinkedIn. She said it was very, very easy. So our team are eventually getting a little bit social media savvy. So thank you, everyone, for your support and obviously to our amazing members and specialists in the industry for sharing their time and all the prep work for today. That's me. I'm out. Bye, Max. Uh, OK, <laughs> and, and Athol, so we got this uh, this contact that wanted to know the make of the tractor. Can you can you show us the make of the tractor, please? Uh -huh. It's actually a, it's a case, which is actually a blue New Holland or Ford. <laughs> I mean, the red one, sorry. Okay, so, so, so that's, Alpha, that's fantastic. So this, this individual, this character, he bid on one of our speaker's shirts uh, on, on the last broadcast, and he's just bid again. Would you be prepared to sell that tractor for a thousand US if you admit that the uh, the Lions rugby team are better than the Springboks? No, no, no. I think we're going to have a running theme on this one, Leanne. So, so, someone at some point is going to say, yes, I'll take the money. But no, because you South Africans, you're, you're all so passionate and you're all so brilliant, such brilliant uh, uh, growers of uh, uh, the, some of the world's most amazing fresh produce. Everyone, thank you for your, for your time. Let's really watch uh, the kiwi fruit uh, sector and, and see it uh, grow and accelerate with all of your expertise. Thank you, everyone. Keep safe from that. We look forward to the next broadcast next month. Thank Bye, you, everyone. Thanks, Max. Bye-bye-bye.